Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast with Dr. Stylianos Kabakis. Dr. Kabakis is a data scientist, statistician, and blockchain expert with a mission to educate the public about the wonderful capabilities of technologies like AI, data science, and DLTs. These technologies have the potential to transform the world, the economy, and our lives. However, there is too much misinformation around tech, and so most people are just confused about what is true and what is not. Whether you are a CEO, an entrepreneur, or just an enthusiast, the Data Scientist Podcast helps you separate reality from hype. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast. Today with us, we have Mattia Kovac from Taya Translations. Hi, Mattia. Welcome. Hi, Stelios. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad you're here. Why well, don't you tell us a few words about yourself, like where you're based, what are you working on, etc. Great. So yeah, I'm the co-founder at Taya, also the CTO. Um, we're based out of London. It's where our HQ is and a lot of our team is already in the UK now. But originally I come from Slovenia, a small country next to Austria and Italy here underneath the Alps. And it's a lovely place, but when it comes to technological development mm -hmm. and building an international startup, we decided to move over to the UK so we have a better foot ground. We're building a localization platform that's partially AI-based, AI-powered, mm -hmm. and we're helping companies to get their content localized faster so they can scale faster and more efficiently into international markets. So that's what we're mainly focused on. Great. So what attracted you to London? International talent, investment, the combination of all of these factors? Yeah, exactly that. So a better prospect of finding good talent, a better prospect of finding a good investment for our next mm -hmm. round. But also it's a very multicultural, international place where you can grow your company way faster than you can in most other places in Europe. So London mm -hmm. has always been a very appealing place for me. Mm -hmm. And do you think that the Brexit is going to affect this in a serious way or, or not? I think it's already showing there's a lot of issues coming out of Brexit that people weren't expecting even. A lot of the issues that we were expecting as well. But in time, things will straighten out just like they usually do. So hopeful that everything will go out well. I mean, we still have our European company here in Slovenia, so that makes sense. So we can do some parts inside the EU and some parts inside the UK and getting ready to launch in the US next year. So. Yeah, I guess it's good to get the best of both worlds and the uh, most startups. Yeah, the most startups they want to go over to the US because it's it's just a bigger market, I guess, right? It's way bigger. Yeah, and when it comes to localization, US is really huge. So it's about forty-five percent of the global market, I think. Something like mm -hmm. that. It's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. And what inspired you to create this company around translation and, and localization? Mm -hmm. Well, I am a nerd programmer at heart, I've always been, but in university I studied Chinese studies, among other things as well. Mm -hmm. So I also lived in China for a while and oh. traveled there a lot. And uh, eventually I, I met with Marco and he already had mm -hmm. one of his early companies. He's uh, more or less a serial entrepreneur, has started a few startups and exited mm -hmm. some of them successfully. And at some stage we were discussing about potential collaboration and he said, why don't we make a language school together? You're good with languages and I'm an entrepreneur. I have all this experience. We could mm. put these two together and get quite successful. So we 
Initially, we started language school and it's still running. It's still pretty successful in, in our local region. And a lot of our clients were companies that were ordering language courses with us. And mm. they were happy with us. And they said, if we can also do their translation services. So we figured, okay, let's, let's see how that goes as well. We started preparing a lot of ground to get there. And we realized that the market has huge potential. There's so many translation services being rendered every day, okay. but a lot of the stuff that gets done is still done very manually with outdated software, sometimes huh. entirely unautomated processes. And we realized there's a huge loss of human potential here that with proper automation, we can give people more meaningful jobs so they don't have to mm. you know, do repetitive tasks anymore. So that's how the idea behind the Taya platform was born. And we started developing it. So in a few months, we had a MVP, sort of a demo. We were showing it around to some potential investors. And that was when they finally realized what we're actually building. Because while we were just pitching, it was hard to explain. When you have a demo, it's much easier. That helped us to secure our first funding and start generating first revenue. So we, we then were able to start building a proper team around the product and a proper business model. And from then on, things started scaling up. So now we're about three years in development. So we, mm -hmm. we launched in late 2018. And sorry, yeah, something like that. And we're now a team of 32 in the UK, in Cyprus, in Spain and Slovenia. And we're moving ahead towards bigger goals and bigger ambitions still. Great. That's a very good story. And I was, I mean, I'm surprised whether I hear about translation because as a data scientist, I've observed some great advances in natural language processing in the last few years, many of them coming from Google. They have created this very big and fancy neural networks that can translate multiple languages to other languages mm -hmm. simultaneously. So you find that most translators are not aware of this or I mean it's not like a service it's not like a Google service I personally try to use but from what you're saying it sounds like the translation and localization industry is a bit behind the actual technological capabilities of our time right yeah I mean at least that was the state when we started building things have changed drastically in the last three to four years but if you think back, not even long ago, it was when Google Translate was still a joke. Yeah. Just before 2016, when they launched their first neural machine translation solution, when it was still a statistical model. I mean, it was a lot of times just a tool where people were either trying to get dictionary solutions, not actual translations, or just using it for fun because it, was, yeah. it, it produced a lot of hilarious results. And then at yeah. some stage, it just wasn't fun anymore. It just started getting better and better. And if you look at what these tools, such as Google Translate, can do now, I mean, it's quite scary. And it's becoming very apparent even to the most stubborn of translators and the most outdated of companies out there that neural machine translation is not only here to stay, but it's definitely a tsunami that's changing the entire scenery of the localization industry. So things are bound to change. They're changing at a very rapid pace. And one thing we want to do as a company is we want to be able to serve this wave rather than being swept underneath. So get on top of this tsunami, leverage on this technology and bring it to as many people as necessary. 
So essentially, we're not trying to compete with Google Translate. What we're doing is we're putting multiple layers of technology around machine translation, not only Google Translate, obviously, but other similar solutions as well, to provide enterprise customers with a faster and more efficient service than what they're currently paying for. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And are you using your own proprietary algorithms or are you also plugging in into APIs from Google or IBM Watson and those companies? We have a, an interesting mix, really depending on the client and the needs, but we have an interesting mix of all three. So we use a lot of our proprietary technology at some levels, and then in others, we rely a lot on existing open source technologies, which uh, we're very grateful for. There's a lot of opportunities out there to learn from and to build on. But in some cases, we just fall back on third-party APIs if that's the case that we need to rely on. So it really depends on the situation. I think. This is the only way you can build a startup these days. Trying to build everything from scratch makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Trying to go with only open source technologies doesn't mean you've built anything. Anyone else mm-hmm. can do it the same. But also relying too heavily on a third party solution can make your business model obsolete overnight. So yes. yeah, we're, we're kind of agnostic about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Because you see I'm studying business models for AI and there's always this conundrum, like should you try to develop your own IP? Should you try to use some third-party services? And in some cases, I guess it's very difficult to compete with third-party mm-hmm. services. So what you're saying is that you've <clears throat> identified some gap in how translation is being served in the real world. So you're plugging in different offerings to companies. Is this correct? Something like that, yes. So what we put on top of just machine translation is also processing of files. So for example, if we go through how our workflow usually looks like, Mm -hmm. in Thai is a cloud platform, it means it runs in every browser, you don't need to install anything, and the UI is extremely easy to use. So even if you're a not tech-savvy person, you're going to figure it out in a minute or two. So it's, it's that simple. So basically, you create a new project by dragging and dropping your files. You select your language combinations, so how many target languages you actually want something translated into. You can pick between 97 different languages. And then you can also select what type of service category this actually belongs to. So you can define your content more in detail just to let us know how to work with it, which how to process it more successfully. And then your files, so we support 64 different file types, anything ranging from basic Office documents like Word files, PowerPoint files, Excel files, all the way down to files that are used for content localization Mm -hmm. in websites or software, even subtitles, all the way down to InDesign, fully designed documents. And Mm -hmm. our platform allows you to drag and drop any of these files in. And once you download it, it's going to retain the exact same formatting as what you uploaded automatically. Mm. So there's no manual intervention required. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, almost any file type you work with on a daily basis, you'll get it back in the exact same shape. Mm -hmm. And once the file is converted into an industry standard, it's also segmented into multiple tiny chunks we call segments. And each of these segments is then compared against our existing database of translations. So we check if we have an existing match for this segment you're looking for, 
already in our database. This means that if you have a lot of repetitive content going on, which in business is the case in many cases, like product descriptions, they tend to repeat a lot, legal documents, marketing content is sometimes, but also like annual reports for shareholders and such. So everyday business documentation and marketing content it gets to be repetitive at some stage. And if it is repetitive, we are able to serve that instead of translating it again and again and again. And mm. if we don't have a successful match, we then fall back onto one of our machine translation solutions. We provide that to the user, and then the user can decide whether or not they just want to keep the machine translation only. So the output that AI and the, the entire background of the software generates for them or if they want to put another human or multiple humans mm -hmm. into the loop just to make sure that everything is translated perfectly. So in some cases, machine translation will be perfectly adequate and will be mm. just a good solution for you. But in a lot of cases, let's say legal documents or marketing content, you wouldn't want your brand to come across just with a machine translation. You would want to make sure that it's translated perfectly or sometimes yeah. even rewritten from scratch. And this is where the entire ecosystem comes into place. So we have an army of freelancers basically making sure that these projects are translated correctly. We have our in-house project mm -hmm. management team, our vendor management team. They make sure we onboard the right people. They make sure they follow the right process and that you as a customer would eventually get a, a perfect translation. Out of every human interaction with the system, the system learns and makes sure to apply this in the next stages. And we're introducing more and more complex levels of automation here. So I'm really looking forward to our future development when we can do even more with this. So if I read you correctly, I guess the main innovation lies around the user experience and the product and plugging in different pieces of technology rather than creating some new sort of, of IP, correct? Well, it's both at the same time. So some mm -hmm. of the IP is also out there and it's pretty complex. It's not that simple to handle all of what we handle, but I think the majority is still about to come. So we just recently launched our first software as a service solution. It's called Catapult, and it helps companies who have their in-house translators to use the same tools that our professional translators use to translate faster. And we measured it. We did a bunch of case studies with clients in the private beta stage and then in the public beta stage. And we came up to the solution that our users are up to three to four times faster than they were previously. So a lot of our clients, so enterprises, have their partial, partial translation services served by outsourced vendors like translation agencies or LSPs. But in many cases, they also have people in-house who mm -hmm. either just review the whole thing or translate it from scratch. And a lot of times what they do is they have a Word document open in one part of their screen and Google Translate in the other part of their screen. They're literally copy pasting things back and forth. And instead of doing that, we hmm. gave them a tool that helps them do all of this much faster while at the same time also learning from what they're doing and serving them correct translations the next time around. Because as I mentioned, a lot of times it's repetitive content. And if they don't have the time to do it themselves, they can at any time outsource. So you have a, basically a very robust solution that makes everything localization much faster, much easier to use, 
and it encompasses the whole need of the company in the single platform. So it's much easier to get around with. I see. That's interesting. And you, as, I mean, your background, you said is in software development, right? So and now you, you run a company that has some AI components. And I presume you don't find yourself doing much software development anymore, correct? Unfortunately not, yeah. I sometimes miss the days when I was able to <laughs> sit down and just build some code. But these days I'm, I'm mostly around on meetings and fundraising and helping our development team get to the right results, also helping in other departments of the company. So yeah, I get to write very little code these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I guess that's uh, the fate of most entrepreneurs. And how is it that you find the transition from a software developer to running your own company? I'm enjoying it a lot, actually. So the other day I was uh, attending this event and someone very cleverly put it that being an entrepreneur is the only job that gets harder when you're better at it. So the better you are, the harder it gets. So when you just achieve a new threshold, you just, you know, get to the next stage, it gets more complex, it gets harder, you have more complex problems to solve. So it's an everlasting challenge and I like a good challenge. I would suffocate in a boring job. I like this much more. Yeah, I guess that's something that all entrepreneurs must resonate with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You must really be interested in this kind of, let's say, work if you're willing to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're the kind of person who has the stomach to go with this, then, then it's perfect. But some people are just not meant to be entrepreneurs. Some are more so, I guess. And some of us are crazy even. And we establish a family with little kids at the same time as mm-hmm. building not one, but two companies and then possibly putting on a bunch of other projects as well, just for a good measure, you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I know what you mean. But I guess that's fascinating, right? <laughs> Definitely yeah, more interesting thing than your average job. So great. And any last words before we conclude? What are the next plans? Now you said you're raising your Series A, if I'm not mistaken, and you're trying to expand to the US. Yeah, well, it's actually a seed round. We're calling it a seed round. So we've last year we raised a 1.2 million euro round from a regional fund here in Central Europe. Mm-hmm. That helped us to establish footing in the UK to increase our development team, to mm-hmm. rebuild most of our product from scratch, to improve a lot on our on our sales capabilities, on our on our marketing content, everything all at once. So we've really pushed the whole company forward in the last year since we raised this funding. And now we're just about starting raising our next investment round, which we're calling a seed round. We're already in touch with a few very prominent VCs and it's really looking optimistic so far. We're about to raise a 3 million euro round that's mm-hmm. going to help us then to further increase the capabilities of the product, get more features in, especially, but also like the major part of the investment, the majority will go into increasing our marketing and sales efforts so we can onboard and scale with more users. We're hoping or we're planning on launching into the US market eventually, it's mm-hmm. probably already in mid 2022, and also improving on what the, the platform has to offer to our users so we can provide as much value as possible to our clients. And I'm really looking forward to this. It's a really exhilarating time ahead of us, a lot mm-hmm. still to do, 
But yeah, it's just fun to explore where can we bring this company and what else can we build and get people happier with it so they can live a better life, you know? Amazing. So thanks a lot. And where can people find more about you? Can you please spell out Taya for those who, who want to maybe go on the website to learn more? Right. So it's T-A-I-A dot I-O, Taya dot I-O. It's a web platform. You can find us on the internet. You can reach out on LinkedIn. We're happy to chat to help you out if there's anything you're interested in. So just hook me up on LinkedIn or give us a shout. I mean, we're always happy to, to have an engaging conversation with someone interested in our technology and our product. Amazing. Thank you, Mattia. It was a very interesting chat. Thanks for sharing your experiences also about being an entrepreneur and all that. Amazing. So thanks everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content around data science, AI, and blockchain. And we hope to see you again soon in some of our events or podcasts or blog posts. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content about data science, AI, and blockchain.